0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Man, Well, hi, everyone. Anyone else love Sundays? Oh, man, I love them. I love Sundays. I even love them more when they're accompanied by all this cool stuff like child dedication and Mother's Day and... We do hope you moms feel valued today, love today, and as you tote around things in your new tote bag, we hope you feel special. Christy's always sending me her favorite mom memes and I thought I'd share one today to get it started. So here we go. Teenagers be like. 7 a.m. I don't wanna talk about 11 a.m. I don't wanna talk about 2 p.m. I don't wanna talk about 6 p.m. I don't wanna talk about 11 p.m. You might want to get comfortable because I'm gonna tell you every nitty gritty detail of what happened in my life today. This is our life. I just want you guys to know like, I mean, we got a little giggle out of that one. We feel this and love this. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Um, So we're in week five of this teaching series we've called Abide. We are talking about this very complex yet simple idea of abiding, remaining, staying connected to the vine. And we're sitting and we're abiding in this conversation about abiding. And so we could say it this way. We are abiding in abide today. Are you all with me? We're abiding and abide. I like that a lot. I want you to tell your neighbor, abide and abide. We're staying on this topic. We aren't leaving it. We're remaining in it. And today I've titled this message, Life on the Branch. I like that title. I was thinking about branching out, but I like life on the branch better. So we're going with it. It grabbed me. We're going to get into God's word. We've been in John 15 verses 1 through 17, and we're going to stay in it. We're abiding and abide. So, if you have a Bible, you can open up to John 15. There's a bit about this whole branch terminology in this chapter we've yet to really explore in its full depth. I'll start where we start each week in verse number one. It says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Everyone say prunes. No one likes pruning, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Skip down to verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. All right, so I wanna talk about something and a layer we've yet to touch on so far. But there are some branches that are cut and thrown away, and there are some branches that are cut and pruned. But here's what I want you to catch all branches are cut. All branches are cut. That's the first thing I want you to catch. I want you to catch another thing though. Two things I want you to catch here right off the bat that all branches are cut, and that God wants you to bear fruit. And if you're bearing fruit, guess what? He's going to prune you so you'll bear more fruit. Yeah. So before we cut too deep today, let's, let's just kind of, you know, let's get our bearings straight. I want to talk about fruit for a minute because that's what he's, he, he's like. Well, I want you to bear fruit. And I always just like to think about fruit in a very tangible way. Like, what, what fruit do I like? So I thought it would be very important to get us started with what is your favorite fruit Think about it. It could be exotic. It can be anything you want. And I want you to tell your neighbor what your favorite fruit is. Go for it right now. Tell them you got like 10 seconds. All right. All right. Tell me some fruits. Mango. I heard like five mangoes. What? What? Oh, cherries. Cherries. Jerry. Jerry. What? Cherries. What? Cantaloupe. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. One at a time. Just kidding. Pineapple. Peaches. What? Bananas. This place is wild. It's a fruit salad in here. Oh, man, this is good. So here's the deal. No matter what your fruit is you like, God wants you to bear much fruit, meaning he wants you, let's just say someone said someone said cantaloupe. I don't know what cantaloupe. I think I'm going to go ahead and put a cantaloupe on a tree today. Cantaloupe's grown on a tree. He wants your branches to be weighed down with so much fruit that it's it's bowing right to the ground. That's the picture I want you to have today of the kind of fruit he wants to do. So I got something for us today. I I brought a branch. I brought a branch. We're doing a message called Life on the Branch. I thought it would be appropriate to bring a branch. Make sense? Jesus says in the passage that you and me, we are the branches. This particular branch, I cut it off not a vine but a tree in the back alley this morning and I prayed, Lord, forgive me as I cut this branch for this illustration that is not my best work. You guys can let me know if it was worth the death of this branch today. I'm not quite sure yet. Mm. So, hey, I just gotta say, like, this is free. You get what you pay for. <laughs> so this branch, um, it's not a fruit tree, but let's imagine it's a fruit tree. We're gonna go with, uh, we're just gonna go with mango because I heard a lot of mangoes. All right. So this is a, this is this is a, a mango tree. All right. This is a mango tree. Now, this branch, no matter how hard at this state, no matter how hard we tried, is never going to produce a mango. At this point, right, like we can squeeze really hard. We can strain, but there's never going to be a moment when a (laughs) mango pops out of this thing. It's done, right? This tree's been cut. We can maybe tape a mango to it, make you think there is. So Jesus talks about these branches that don't produce fruit. And what he does with them is he says he takes them away and he throws them into the fire. Now, this particular verse, I needed to talk about it. It sparks all sorts of religious tension, a little bit of controversy. We can think, oh, does this mean if I don't have some proof of religious or spiritual fruit on my, in my life that God is gonna cut me off and throw me into the fire, meaning, AKA, I'm going to hell if I don't have enough fruit? Like, are we. Are we always kind of measure like how how fruitful is my life? Is that what's going on in this passage? Well, first of all, we got to know that Jesus is speaking in a parable, meaning it's a story, it's 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 an example. It's not a literal thing. He is actually giving a literal truth, but in a in an illustrative manner. And he is saying, "Listen, I want you to understand. There are things that be cut away. So we have to think about who is he saying this to, and when is he saying it? That's called contextual contextualizing the scripture. What is he saying? This conversation is taking place between Jesus and his disciples in the garden on the Mount of Olives, hours before Jesus' arrest. The disciple John, who wrote this particular book, is sitting there. He's probably either transcribing what Jesus says, or maybe he wrote this in the days uh, soon after this event. But he writes all these things down. And if the significance of this moment really cannot be overstated... Because Jesus must crystallize something for his disciples in this moment. They must understand and that the relentless trust that they're going to need to possess in the next few hours is going to have to be like a branch that remains in a vine. They're going to have to abide in something. Jesus knows that just in a few hours that all of them are going to abandon him when they should have abided with him. He knows it's coming. Yet anyway... In, in, In spite of it, and just a few verses later in John 15, he says, Hey, listen, no greater love has anyone than this, that they would lay his life down for his friends. And you are my friends. So Jesus knew what was about to happen. But if you consider this, is there a more important moment for Jesus to look at his followers and say, You are going to have to abide in me. Trouble is coming. Hardship, persecution, doubt. Fear, confusion, it's all about to hit you square in the face. It's coming your way, and I'm telling you, you're going to have to abide like this branch abides in the vine. If it wants life, it's going to have to stay connected to the vine. So he's looking at his followers and saying, and if you don't, listen, listen, you're going to become spiritually dried up. You're going to be cutting yourself off from the source of life if you abandon me. If you, if, you, if you don't remain in me. So Jesus clearly never wanted to see a tree or a vine that had no fruit on it. There's a story in the Gospels actually about Jesus going up to a tree. It's a fig tree and it has no figs on it. You guys remember that story? He goes up to the fig tree, it has no figs on it. He gets a little upset and he curses the tree and it dies. At that point, it's, no, it's not worth anything except firewood at that point. So I personally, just, just so you know, I personally don't feel... Like this passage is some sort of theological filter, are we heaven or hell bound? I believe since Jesus is talking to the disciples, who he declared were already clean, by the way, in verse 3, which I didn't read. He said, you're already clean. And he's primarily talking to them about ridding themselves of the old way and the old self and the useless things that still attach to us. He's saying, I want to cut those dead things off of you burn them up. They don't matter anymore. I want to throw them away. And so when you look at this branch, it has a whole bunch of branches on it besides the main branch. And he's like, that's like your life. There's going to be things that God is going to cut off to get out of your life because they serve no purpose. They aren't what I want you to become. In fact, I can make you more fruitful if I get rid of some of the dead weight in your life. You have all sorts of things that grow in you and out of you that God will cut away and prune you with, not for punishment, but to bless you and to help you. In other words, if you want his produce, you're going to have to trust in his process. Hmm. We got to talk about that one. Yes. This was was worth that free admission. If you want his produce, you're going to have to trust his process. His process involves pruning. I know that we struggle to understand God's process. And when we don't understand it, we often struggle with it. But not just struggle with it, we struggle to trust it. We may even resist it. We may even avoid it just because we don't understand it. And there, listen, there's always going to be a gap in our understanding of where we are and understanding the ways of God. There's always going to be a gap. But Jesus says you have to abide in me no matter what. God says you have to abide in me no matter what. Abiding and trusting is an act of believing that God won't ever cut me to hurt me. He's only going to cut me to help me. He wants to produce a great work in you. So isn't it interesting that the fruit aisle at the store, at the grocery store, is called the produce aisle? <laughs> the big sign when you walk over that section of the store it says fresh produce, right? And we course call it that because centuries ago they put fruits, vegetables, grains, all in the category of the things that are born or produced from the land. And so this is the produce, right? God wants to produce something in you and from you and for you. And anything that gets in the way of that process, he's going to cut it off or he's going to prune it so that you can continue to have things that come from you and for you, because he wants to create a great work in you. And listen, we also got to remember, it's not just things he wants to cut off. He's going to prune anything that actually is producing fruit in order to produce more. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Christy and I, when we first got married, we had a grapevine in our backyard. It created a nice little back porch vibe, right? But before you imagine us basking in some Tuscan-like, vineyard, pluck in fresh grape clusters from the vine and enjoying them. Before you imagine that, before you think we were yard to table, right? (laughs) I have to be honest about our grapevine. It was not an exceptionally fruitful vine. It produced grapes every year, but they looked like grapes that were ready to be raisins. (laughs) They were really small, like itty-bitty tiny grapes, like Maybe for toddlers or a group of tiny elves, they would have been perfect. But for me, I want large and in charge grapes that remind me that I live in America. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, if we're gonna do grapes, let's do it right. But not our grapevine. No. 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 So we 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 didn't have a lot of grapes, and they were fairly unimpressive. But you know what that vine did have? Big, beautiful leaves. It looked like an amazing vine. It looked beautiful. How many believe, though, that looks aren't everything? Anybody agree with that? Looks are not everything. This is what I told Christy when we first started dating. I had to convince her. Looks are not everything. I don't have them, but you're going to love me. I don't have money. I can't dance. I don't have the looks, but you're going to love me. Listen, I was right. I don't have any of those things, and she loves me. Listen to what I'm saying. But we all love to judge things by how they look. So my grapevine looked amazing, but it also had itty-bitty embarrassing grapes. Why is this? Why do some grapes grow big one, big grapes and other ones, others don't? Well, I learned a little bit about this recently because of Google. <laughs> not surprisingly, when grapevines are not cut or pruned, they take all their energy to extend themselves further and add more leaves. They produce a larger... Vine with more leaves, and they overextend themselves until they are unable to produce fruit, the very reason it exists. And you end up with a grapevine with no grapes, but one that looks sort of like mine that was beautiful and a leafy vine, but a fruitless vine. So on top of that, I also learned from the Google that the more leaves there are on the vine, the more shade it creates limiting the sunlight to the actual vine itself and the buds where the grapes will be produced. So you have a vine that is overgrown and covering up the vine itself and the fruit-producing potential it possesses. Hmm. This sounds like a lot of people's life. Is your life overgrown with a lot, all sorts of things that don't really matter to Jesus? But somehow we give them unnecessary and unwarranted value in our life. And all they are doing is covering up the vine itself that is Jesus and getting in the way of God producing the fruit that he wants to produce in your life. This is a good word. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm telling you, you need to hear this. I need to hear this. None of us mean for this to happen. We have to consider our efforts, though, in what we're doing. Are we just trying to look good in life? To have the right house, to have the right things, to have the right bank account, to have all the right things in place to where we feel secure, to where we feel successful, to where we feel like we've achieved whatever it feels important to achieve. Do we just want to look good? I wonder how many of us are overextending ourselves, trying to do things we weren't created to do, I wonder how many of us are putting all of our energy into looking good instead of producing and being fruitful. This is one of the things that got under the skins of, skin of Jesus. It did. I'm pretty sure Jesus, if he was around today, he'd be like, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I, like, I like your church. Your church is a beautiful church. I like I parts of it. But listen, I, I, just because the building looks good, just because, just because the the people look good, just because the the food looks good, just because the website looks good, just because the attendance looks good. Listen, I'm not looking for good things. I'm not looking for, he's like, listen, in other words, leaves look good and beautiful, but listen, I do want to say this. I got to add this in. Every vine has leaves, so we're going to have some of that. But there's a difference between real health and fake health. It's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus is ultimately looking for fruit he will walk down these aisles and say, where's the fruit? God is like, my aim for your life and for this church is for there to be spiritual fruit. So God does that by pruning us. So life on the branch, or more appropriately, life as a branch, must be us delivering ourselves over to the gardener every day and saying, you are free to prune me how you want. Surrendering our life into his hands is like being the clay in the hands of the potter. It's like relenting to the fire as a precious metal that says, refine me. By the way, the Greek word for prune is the word kathairo. Kathairo. Everyone say kathairo. Teaching you a little Greek today, which means to cleanse of filth or impurity, which makes sense. To prune trees and vines from useless shoots. To, to prune trees or vines from useless shoots. You guys know what those useless shoots are, right? Like the things that you see on trees, or they, they pop out at the bottom of the tree, they kind of pop up, they're quick all of a sudden. kathairo means they come along and they prune off all the useless parts of the vine or of the, of the tree. I was talking to Chad McLaren the other day and Chad owns a landscaping company. You know, they do this kind of stuff all the time. He's, he's constantly taking care of trees and bushes and vines and flowers and all the things, right? And he says they're always pruning things, and they said, hey, they call them, they call the useless shoots suckers, <laughs> which I think is what he's like, Hey, man, you cut them suckers off. <laughs> cut them suckers off. And I, and I Googled it. I did, I, did, I did a lot of Googling this week. I Googled it, and that's actually what they're called. They're called tree suckers. They're called tree suckers, or they're called sucker shoots. And their name implies their purpose. They want to suck the life out of you, right? These tree suckers try and get the tree distracted by giving all of its energy to those tree suckers instead of the nutrients to the branches that produce the fruit. How many of you have things in your life that are getting all the energy and it's an offshoot of what you should be? The nutrients are coming to you, but you're letting them, all your energy, go to the wrong place. Yeah. That's what we mean by pruning those suckers off. The truth is, we often aren't aware of the areas that we need to prune. Here's the way you shouldn't be pruning yourself anyway. God prunes us way better than we prune ourselves. Yeah. Not because we are easy on ourselves and, 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 and or excuse me, yeah, God, we are easy on ourselves and God's hard on us. That's not what I mean. Not be, it's because that God is the gardener. Yeah. He sees the whole garden. Yeah. He knows the weather patterns. He knows the shade patterns of the, of, of the garden. He has a perspective that the branch can never have. Yeah. We have to quit trying to do the job of the gardener. I don't know why we do this, but we keep getting these roles reversed. Yeah. We keep trying to be the gardener, but he's God. Our Heavenly Father is the gardener. Yeah. This would be like you needing to have major back surgery next week why don't you go with me on this so you go when you meet with the surgeon right you go meet with the surgeon and he explains everything that's going to happen he says hey i'm going to go be cutting into your back and then he says all the things he's going to do in your back and and you're sitting there listening to him and you nod like you know what he's talking about you don't know what i'm talking about you're talking to a doctor and they're explaining to him you're like oh yeah 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 like you have no idea (laughs) and then you try and explain to your friends what's going on hey so what's yeah this doesn't work you don't know what you're doing But the day of the surgery, you show up and you say, hey, Mr. Surgeon, can you hand me that scalpel in a mirror? I think I got this. Listen, you're not the surgeon, right? You don't know what you're doing. We have to surrender to the work of the surgeon in our life. Let's Let's take this a little further. I like the surgeon thing. A lot of us say, okay, fine. Surgeon, Mr. Surgeon, Mrs. Surgeon, you can do the surgery. But I actually would like to stay awake during the surgery. That way I can talk to you about how it's going, (laughs) give you feedback. There might be a few times while you're in that surgery that you are resisting what the doctor's doing and what the surgeon surgeon is doing. Listen, that would never work. A surgeon cannot work under those conditions. The surgeon would say, no, thanks. I'm not going to have a part of that kind of surgery. You ever wonder why God's not working in your life? Yeah, it's, it's still coming, I think. Mm. Surgeons require something before they cut. They must put their patients to sleep so they cannot resist. So they are in a complete state of surrender. Abiding is like surrendering to the surgeon. Abiding is surrendering to the reality that you are a branch in desperate need, of not only from the life that is given to you by the vine, but for the work that only the gardener can do, which often includes cutting into your life. Because you are a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't bend to the world. Don't conform anymore. Like, literally just trust in me. Be transformed by me. The implication of a living sacrifice When we really think about this, this is a brutal metaphor, brutal. It's allowing God to cut into your life, sacrificially giving your old self over to death to say, whatever is in me, God, whatever is not of you, whatever you don't want in my life, cut it away from me, prune it off of me, burn it up. I don't want it. Take it away. That's what this means. Or think about what it says over in Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Anyone ever experienced God's word cutting into your life like this, pruning you of unnecessary attitudes or wrong motives or even ungodly attitudes sins in your life, we have to surrender to the pruning nature of God's Word. Catch this. Catch this. We can't just read the Bible to feel close to God. We have to read the Bible to be shaped and transformed by God. We all go into our little holy moments of reading the Bible but the Bible is sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts deep into your life. And if you read it and it doesn't change you, you aren't reading it the right way. Mm. And then the Bible says over Malachi 3, For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Scripture uses this language often. Like he's cleaning us, but that he's refining us. That God's presence is a refining fire. So it's a posture of saying, God... Do what you can do. I want to stay in your presence so you can burn away whatever doesn't belong, right? So why does God do this? Why does he he prune us? Why does he cut on us? What is he doing? He does it to bless you. Mm, That doesn't sound right. He does it to bless you. Let's go back to what he says in John 15, verse 7. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. That's a nice verse. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. He wants to bless you and provide for you and do more for you than you can imagine. But when he says this line, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, we got to be honest. I think we'd all agree it's a great verse, but I think we might also say, I haven't really experienced that in my life. A lot of times I ask things from God and it doesn't happen. And that's maybe how we feel. So we doubt the validity of this verse potentially. But can I put a thought out there? Maybe it's because we're trying to to demand God to produce something in us that we weren't created to produce. So, for example, if you were created, someone said cantaloupe service, so you were created to be create cantaloupes, but you keep asking for watermelons, he's not gonna give you what you asked for. But there's that moment, right, when you're like, oh God, I get it. I think I <laughs> will you produce this in me. And he's like, I've been waiting forever for you to ask for this because I want to pour out my blessings. I wanna make you fruitful. You finally ask for what you're created. I want you to create what you're created for. Perhaps God is waiting for us to ask it that way. Do you guys remember the life of Joseph? He's another case study on abiding. A few weeks ago we talked about Daniel. He was a case study on abiding. But Joseph was an abider. He was an abider. If you don't know the story, it's, it's a long story of a guy who suffers quite a while before God breaks through. But Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery. Imagine how terrible that would be. After years, he's eventually put in prison, and he's in prison for years. So he suffers for years. He's finally experiences God's breakthrough after years and years of the suffering. God gives power and favor and breakthrough. But I just want to say, we often talk about Joseph like, oh, man, what faithfulness. What faithfulness. And that's, that's a great word, and it's a true word. But what if the pit and the prison... Was really about pruning. Sometimes we just think we're supposed to endure through anything, and that's a good thing. But what if we had a perspective to say, God's doing something? Something's coming. God's God's got his pruning shears on me right now. I can feel it. I'm in the pit. I'm in the prison, but something's coming. Listen, I'm telling you, so many of us, when we're in the pit or we're in the prison, we ask God, why is this happening? Why? And that is the wrong question. We never get clarity on why when we're in the midst of suffering, when we're in the midst of being pruned. We never get clarity on that because there's always a gap between our understanding of where we are and where God is because He has a different perspective on life. He's the gardener, we're the branch. We don't understand what He's doing. But don't you know that God looked at Joseph? He's like, I got a plan for you, and the only way I can get you to where I want to get you, the only way I can do the fruit that I want to produce in you, is I got to take you through this thing and it's gonna be really hard. And anytime it gets really hard, we think this can't be of God. But what if God's saying, you don't understand what I have prepared for you, what I have in store for you. So a lot of times we look around and we go, why God, why is this happening to me? Why is, why is it so much harder for me than it is for them? Why God, can't, do you even see me? Do you even know me? He's like, listen, you don't understand. I know it hurts because I'm cutting on you and cutting hurts, cutting hurts, I get it. But just, 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 keep, just keep trusting the process because what I'm about to do, it's going to be, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. He does it to bless us. He does it to bless us. And the second reason, the second reason he does this is that when we produce spiritual fruit, it gives God glory. And for a lot of us, that's what we want. We just want our life to give God glory. But look at verse 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's imagine, this is gonna be fun. Let's imagine there is a national competition to see who has the best grapes in the country. (laughs) Like imagine a county fair, but it's a national fair. It's huge. And let's say the judges of this competition come to you and remember, you're a branch. <laughs> this is like, this is a good illustration. I like. You're a branch, but you are nervously optimistic because you have the best grape cluster you've ever had. You're like, this could be good. And the, the, the judges come and they are blown away. They take your grapes and they're like, this is it. This is the, this is the winner. And so they declare your vineyard as the winner of the National Grape Championship. You are the 2003 champion. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. Let me ask you a question. Who gets the blue ribbon? Who who are they writing the article about in the National Grape Gazette? Are they coming over to the branch and going, put the ribbon on the branch? No. It's the gardener. The gardener receives the glory. The gardener gets all the credit. They are writing about the gardener saying, look what the gardener did. He created a vineyard that produced that. And so when your life produces more fruit, it is for the glory of God. So maybe you're sitting there going, hold on, has God just created this system where he gets all the glory? He's like this egomaniac, glory hungry person. That's not it at all. Him receiving the glory is actually an act of love and humility. Because here's what he knows. He knows the greater my glory is in the earth, the more souls that will be saved from the fire. The greater my fame is among the nations, the more people who receive my grace and be connected to the vine. He knows that the greater his glory is, the more people will come to know him. He is serving us, and he is saying, listen, when you produce more fruit, it is disciples making disciples. It is people reaching people. It is kingdom come, will be done stuff. And so, yes, we want our life to be pruned. We want it to be cut on. We're like, God, I want to give you all the sunlight you need. Shine Shine on that vine. Produce in me what only you can produce. God is glorified through the process when we are shown to be his disciples. So I'm going to close with prayer. If you're in the band, you can come. I want to truly consider this. So what's the job of a branch? What's the job of a branch? The job of the branch is to receive. If we did a word study on the word receive, you'd be amazed at how much of your Christian life is about your ability to receive. To receive the pruning, to receive the moving, to receive the trimming, to receive the nutrients that God's word will give us. We don't have to push or strain or strive. We just have to trust. So what if today you step back and you considered all the ways that God has blessed you through his pruning? What if today you let his word deeply penetrate your heart and you no longer are fighting against it, no longer avoiding it, but you're inviting it in to say, will you shape me? Will you transform me, God, through your word? because I know it will cut like a knife. There'll be parts that hurt, but it will be for your glory and it will be for my blessing. Listen, life on the branch. It's about trusting his process so he can give you his produce. Let's say it one more time because hopefully something sticks today. Life on the branch, it's about trusting his process so he can give you his produce. I want to pray together. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. We've got one song. We're going to worship. But I just want to say this, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you move today? Would you, would you uh, start speaking to us? Would you give us ears to hear the things that we need to hear? Would you open our hearts, Father, in a way that, Lord, just surrenders to what you want to do? Today, you, may need to say, you might need to say, God, I'm sorry for the way I've resisted you. I want to trust you. I want to surrender to you. You see, one of the great truths that undeniably says that God is for you is whenever in this verse, when he says, abide in me, he goes on and he says, and I will abide in you. I will remain in you. If you ever wonder if God is for you, God is saying, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to abide and abode with you. God is for you today. He wants to bless you. today if you are thinking I just need to surrender my life to Jesus I just need Christ in my life maybe you're thinking I've never really done it here's what I want to say it's not just about believing in God that God exists there is a there's an active posture of saying I've surrendered my life to Jesus so with everybody's heads bowed if you're not doing that I just want to pray this if today you are thinking man I maybe I believed in God maybe I was questioning God but I think today what I'm feeling in my heart is God calling me to him. There's a surrender. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we say it this way. We say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's just a simple prayer. But if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just say that prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that wherever you're at, surrender it to him. If you're tired of trying to do it on your own, if you're tired of feeling like a twig disconnected from the vine and you want to be grafted into his vine today, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that to him right now. Lord, I thank you for anybody that's praying that right now. I pray that you would seal this moment in their heart, that, Lord, their life would be transformed by you in this moment. Jesus, I give you my life. You can pray it right now. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your holy name. We thank you for your word today. May it do the work that only your word can do and your spirit can do. Make us better, Father, for your sake, for your glory. In your name. Amen. Listen, this is a time of response. Altar's open. This altar's open if you'd like to come while we sing. You can come sing and come pray with uh, our worship, I mean, excuse me, our prayer team who will be here. They'd love to pray with you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.